I'll start off with a question of Asal here and say, part one, how are you doing? And part two, how did you and Spencer first connect? Uh, I'm doing incredible. And uh, Spencer and I connected. How do we connect, Spence? We connected through um, Terrell Harris. Exactly. Terrell Harris is the agent for yeah. Tobias Harris, who plays with the Philadelphia 76ers and other players. So that's how we met. And yeah, we started TBC Sports. Yeah. Uh, Terrell and I, we started TBC Sports and Entertainment, which is a company that's meant to create ancillary incomes for, you know, sports players. Uh, and, uh, you know, through movies, social media, right. those sort of things. And uh, we decided to start that company. And then uh, Terrell introduced me to Spencer. Got it. Now, speaking of movies, Spencer, before we went on camera and on mic, we were talking about your book, which came out a couple of years ago, and I had the pleasure of speaking to you about, but there's a rumor there's a biopic about you in the works? Yes, there is, and you got the man on the, <laughs> on the stall that is uh, the executive producer, along with Mark Canton, who has done, uh, gosh, he has... Uh, Along with Vassell, they both own all of those power series, and and Marcus did a number of movies. And again, Terrell Terrell is Tobias Harris' dad, so it's all basketball family, movie family, record industry. As you can see, all of those wonderful yeah records in the background, gold. <laughs> those gold and platinums, and you know, uh, Vassell, how many of those plaques behind you are BB King? Uh, actually, only one uh, where we produce uh, U2. Uh, you see BB's guitar there. Yeah, Rattle and Pump. Yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, BB. Uh, we did uh, When Love Comes to Down. Actually, me and my brother uh, did the remix when we were kids. Uh, we produced uh, for Universal. We did the remix uh, When Love Comes to Town with U2 and BB King. And who would have known, like, uh, 25 years later, I'd be the uh chairman of the estate of mr mr king right yeah now that's an incredible you know range of things when you talk about the work related to basketball players and bb king because most people don't think of sports and music in the same sentence the same concept but when did you realize that you had a knack for managing talent uh actually uh I've been at this a while and, you know, I signed artists like Deborah Cox and uh, with Claude Davis. And so, you know, I, I had an app for that quite early. And then um, afterwards I turned it into a, a, a major business uh, because uh, we now have about five or six iconic figures that we manage uh, their estates and overall. And then, you know, of course we got guys like Spencer uh, Hall of Famers, iconic figures uh, that we can make branding deals, and you know it just lends itself to all sorts of ways to 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 market and brand and promote the artist. Now, Spencer, the biopic that we referenced before, the book, etc. How similar are the two? Meaning, is the book the source for the biopic? The book is not the source of the biopic because we are doing a, a total. <clears throat> Uh, a script that is uh, 
a sit down with me so I can take you through that. But it just so happened to have the trademark name that I had branded years ago, which is the Spencer Hayward rule, which is coming into play now with the NBA, the NBA players and the Players Association, where they are going to do some changing on that name and put it out there so that the players will know that someone uh, took a stand for them so that they uh, so that they have all of this revenue and have a life that they are living now. Right. It's it's good to see that, that the NBA started to do right by the players. Growing up as a diehard NBA fan in the in the 80s and 90s, I didn't realize the players weren't so taken care of so well. Again, we're starting to see that now. The Spencer Haywood rule, unfortunately, was decades before all of that. So yeah. incredible to see how you've turned your life around on a few levels. Now, is the biopic the goal of it to show like the last 20 years or is it more focused on the Spencer Haywood rule era of your life? No, it starts out in the cotton fields of Civil City, Mississippi, and it encompass all of that era, basketball, modeling, all of that up until the point that we uh, are today. Well, where I was going with that, and this is a compliment right here, yeah. is calling you one of the all-time great basketball players would be selling you super short because you found success in other areas, including real estate. You, you've done well in other areas. And some people, when they have a biopic, they're like, I only want to show off the success that I had after everyone stopped paying attention. Please, this is not going to be like that. This is going to show you my fall. This is going to show that I brushed myself off and got up. I mean, we're talking about, well, you know, they did a one year of it right now with the Winning Time series that's on HBO. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing the full story. But uh, yes, of course, you have to show the peaks and the valleys. You can't just, you know, you can't just say, hey, yeah. man, I'm just this if, wonderful human being. If I can add to that, you yeah. know, really, Spencer is, uh, you know, a very humble man, very uh, respectful person. Uh, but Spencer, to me, and the reason why I decided to get involved uh, with Spencer and also include Mark, who's one of the most premier producers in the business, like uh, James Cameron of the of the film business, uh, is because you know Spencer is like the Muhammad Ali to me of basketball, and he he's a national hero. That's really what it boils down to. Uh, uh, a lot of these players uh, would not be in the position that they're in without Spencer, uh, and. Uh, I really see, you know, when I look at LeBron and, and getting all those points and being able, and none of that would be happening without without Spencer. So okay. I just think that uh, these guys have been able to enjoy uh, illustrious uh, careers uh, because of this man right here. And I think that story needs to be told. And of course, we want, you know, we want to dramatize as much as possible because it sells you know, puts butts in the seats to our audience. And there's a lot of that too. So his story is so unique in so many areas uh, that it's, unless there's a, it, it can only be described in a, in a film or 
brought to life in a film. And so, uh, like I said, I think Spencer literally is a, a national hero, and we need to make sure we acknowledge who this man really is and what he's done for many people, you know. Um, sure. I, I, I judge success a lot of times not by, you know, the, the accolades and things that you gather, but what you've done for others. And he's, he's done an awful lot. Well, you mentioned Muhammad Ali, and I had the pleasure of going to his museum in Louisville. I hope I'm saying that correct, if anyone from Louisville is watching. Because sometimes they say Lowellville, sometimes Louisville. I, I don't know yeah. how to say it, but he's got a hell of a museum down there. Has there right. ever been a discussion of a touring exhibit, Spencer, of your stuff from over the years? Uh, well, ironically, I was just uh, talking with... Uh, another young lady that's in my family today about uh, kicking it off with my 75th anniversary and getting moving in that direction. But I have yet to just sit down and discuss it with Basel because, you know, he he is my teammate and the point guard. As you, if you if you know basketball, you can't sure. get it up the floor unless you got that point guard getting it up there. So. He is that guy, so we haven't discussed it in in, in great lengths, but uh, it's all coming on God's time, not on my time, <laughs> but right on time. So, Well, to kind of recap what I'm learning, there's, there's the biopic. The book is only three years old. I say that because the amount of time that you spend writing a book, you probably started it three years before the three years before it came out, so... Three years is nothing to that. So there's the biopic, the book. Maybe there's an exhibit. We still see you popping up in documentaries and all that. Is there anything else that we should know that you're working on that maybe we don't because we read too much Wikipedia and IMDb? <laughs> well, we're, 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 discussing, we're discussing right now with Mark a, you know, because all the ballplayers love Spencer. So we're discussing a show where we can kind of have, you know, not really a podcast, but a real show that he can, you know, have his friends who love him and uh, share basketball stories. You know, uh, I think that's that's really something that's needed. You know, and and uh, to be able to sit down with some of the the, the younger players and, and 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 all the you know the uh, Hall of Famers as well, and um, you know, have conversation about basketball, something he really loves. Mm. Now, Spencer, did you ever get to meet B.B. King? Yes, I met B.B. King here in Las Vegas. I used to go to his club when he was playing here at the Mirage. He had a club here, and and I knew somebody that he knew, and so they were, you know, they were friends. So we just, yeah, yeah, of course. And not only that, but B.B. King is uh, seven miles from Civil City. Which is, um, he's. He, I know he liked to say he's from Indianola, but I think it was Isola. This way he's from. So Isola, you have Bells, you have Silver City, which is six miles from Belzoni, and you have three miles more, five miles more to Isola, and Isola is where he is there in the cotton fields, and then of course you know everybody say you're close to the next town, which is uh, Indianola. So he, I remember his album 
was the Inanola seed, which is a big watermelon on the front with the Inanola seed on it. It's just a gorgeous cover. Great music in it. Yeah, some of my favorite concerts I ever went to were at his New York City venue in Times. Oh yeah, I went to one. Uh, I went to one of his concerts at the uh, in San Francisco at the uh, the Fairmount. Big venue, sweet. Now, Vassal, I have one BB King question, and then I'm going to ask you to plug all your stuff, and feel free to work Spencer into that again if you wish. Now, one mystery I have. Uh, Steven Seagal uh, did this documentary where he was showing off his guitar collection, and he said, B.B. King gave me this guitar. Any idea if B.B. gave him that guitar, or he bought a B.B. King guitar, and then said, can you please sign this guitar? Because that's what I think happened. I think so, too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I know Steven, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah. But uh, who knows? I mean, you know, he's a great guy. He's, he's great such man. a great guy. He's a really Nothing great given, man. If you get into his inner circle, I'm sure you get a loving human being. But what can you do? Anyway, my last question to you is, uh, are there any projects that we've missed of yours? I mean, you've already told me about three lifetimes of work that you've got currently going going on but i you know i didn't ask you about the bb king life legacy initiative i didn't ask you about documentaries and stuff in the vault i didn't ask if bono was going to be appearing in stuff because of you know the gold record behind you etc right well there's uh we have a, a lot going on here you know um but we try to especially after the writer's strike uh focus on those projects that are most important to us right now so we're we're actually doing a movie with keanu reeves uh i can't mention what that is but we're doing a film there uh mark is probably doing the next uh, den of thieves uh movie uh uh of course uh our priority right now is uh, spencer's film and uh, also mr bb king so those are two really great films that i think that need to be seen and uh so we're gonna Make sure that during you know this time where we everybody's getting along that we get these scripts finished and get our films uh, into pre-production. So that's where we're headed with that, you know, because uh, it's been a long haul with the writer strike and that, you know. So uh, we got to stay focused. Fingers crossed. We see the other reunion uh, strike be settled soon. But in the meantime, thanks to you both for consistently. Well, are you going to tell Vassell? Are you know me besides this? I thought we were keeping that one off the record. No, we're not. Let's, let's put it all on the table. Here. Might as well put it all on the table, brother. I, I used to have the pleasure of living with uh, Spencer's daughter, Zoo, uh, for a couple oh. of years in Harlem. And uh, wow. I, I put that note out to Spencer's team and I went, J just FYI, we were just friends, I promise. Wow. I didn't do anything <laughs> wrong, Mr. Haywood. This is my oldest daughter, Vassell. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, sure I, Spencer's book is behind us in that shelf right there. There might be oh, a wow. few photos from that apartment. Uh, there's B.B. King stuff around here. It's not just the stuff that Steven Seagal gave me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, the bottom line is I have nothing but positive things to say about both of you because you're putting out content 
that is educational, that preserves legacies and times in this country and the world that are important, that, you know, things along the lines of TikTok are kind of trying to steamroll over. It's not five second attention span theater. You're putting out great stuff for music fans, for sports fans, for nonprofit, for everything. So thank you both for doing what you do. That's the compliment. Well, the good part, here's one last thing I want to add. Sure. In that, we have young artists, hip hop artists that are working with us like Migos and you know all these guys who love bb king and who love spencer and so he's going to have they're they're both going to have one hell of a you know soundtrack soundtrack uh, they're very young oriented uh so it's not just it, it, it'll be content that uh all the young social media lights will pay attention to and love and uh we'll, we'll be doing this in a way where it's edgy uh you know like there may be the guys from power who are writing uh most of the script stuff and so it's going to be edgy and it's going to be the kind of content that uh you know everyone will pay attention to and in terms of you know bb's multi-generational appeal i remember that primitive radio gods a symbol uh sample of bb on the cable guy soundtrack so the key is 30 plus years of being sampled and touching future generations. And you can't say that about many guitar heroes. Oh no, that I, I you know, BB is like the third wonder of the world. He's literally uh, labeled as the uh, third best guitar player on the planet. Right. Uh, so Eddie Van Halen and who? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, but I, I don't want to put anything out there because I, you know, I just, I work with Richie Sambora. Steven Seagal and Eddie Yeah, all these, yeah. <laughs> I work with these guys like Richie Sambora, and you'd be surprised at how great a guitarist these guys are. So, you know, I work with uh, Joe Perry, you know, uh, you know, from Aerosmith. And uh, so a lot of these guys are really, really great. So I don't want to say anything, uh, but I know BB's up there. I know they all love BB, right? Uh, and yeah. He's a, everybody, you know, like everybody. So, you know, it's really, really great. And, uh, you know, so it's it's an honor for me to be able to uh, work with both uh, both legends, you know, and uh, to be able to make sure the stories are told and, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, I can be creatively involved to help uh, bring the story to life. I used to go see Jupiter One a lot back in the day. So, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. You're very familiar. I was like, Darren Paltruitz. I was like, I know that name. Yeah. So. Well, well, the bottom line is, you know, back in the Jupiter One days, we would see you play violin a little bit on stage, but we didn't know that you had it in you necessarily, that you were this huge solo artist that was going to turn into this huge composer. And now you are a director. So this success that you have right now how much of that was envisioned back in your berkeley days hmm well in my berkeley days i was just an instrumentalist i just want to play jazz violin you know and then when i did jupiter one and i was singing honestly i don't think the rest of the guys in the band liked my violin play so i kind of i kind of it wasn't like very manly or something i don't know it's a, it a very testosterone fueled like oh i gotta interrupt you there i mean you, your musical cohort was playing the flute and you were playing the violin it wasn't okay. the only That's instrument All right. I, I take it back okay i mean i love jazz flute too zach and he's amazing but uh yeah i mean um 
it wasn't until I guess I started Kishibashi that I really had I just focused on my own voice and I realized that violin was a big part of my songwriting um uh skill set so I developed that and that's why it's very my music's very orchestral you know yeah and so now uh Omoi Yadi I hope I'm saying that correctly how how should I say that yeah Omoi Yadi you got it you got it right oh wow who yep. knew? Well, anyway, you know, having that directing credit was directing that you want something that you wanted to do years and years ago, or is this a happy accident? I had, <laughs> um, I mean, I went to school for uh, film scoring. So, you know, I, I love cinema and like cinematic music. So uh, that was my skill set. I liked editing. You know, I, I edited the Jupiter One Van Pilates. That was my, that was me. Oh, um, yeah. So that was, I was like, did you yeah. also, sorry to cut you off, did you also edit the Guitarded? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I can't, I can't really. Your uh, film credits are spectacular, might I say. Thanks, man. That's, and that's the last, that's the last thing I did. I did another music video um, for, uh, wait for, uh, wait for springtime, which is an EP that I did a couple years ago. Um, oh, and the, I am the Antichrist video that I did that one. I directed that. So. Sure. Yeah. So, I like so I like stop I like stop motion. I did the Jupiter One countdown video too. So I like stop motion, and you know when I have the time, I'll 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 put some effort into it. You know, so. But as far as a feature length documentary, no. This is uh, I'm the co-director. Justin Taylor Smith is my partner in this, and you know he I, I didn't pick up a single camera. You know for this uh, it's it's a lot of it's mostly like them following me. We set up the shots. I learned how to interview. You know and kind of like formulated the story based on uh, this idea. It's exploratory, you know. Right. I find that the timeline for an album is the exact opposite of the timeline for a movie, where the album, you could make it at home or, or friend studio, that kind of thing. And if you want to leak a single, you can leak the single that day. And at most, it's a three-month build up to an album. Some albums come out as a surprise that day. Yeah. Whereas a film... If you're lucky, it's nine months. If you're really lucky. So how long did it take you to helm this film? So we've been starting since 2017. You know, started filming and then uh, about halfway through, we started, you know, we were editing at the same time. Justin's, the co-director is also the editor, a brilliant editor. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, so originally Omoyari, this movie, the song film was supposed to be you know, with the album, you know, and obviously albums don't take six years to make, you know, so when we added the album. Oh, well, Guns N' Roses albums take six years to make. Some, some albums, if you have, if you have a lot of money and leeway, will take six years to come out. Yeah. But in my case, I was like, the album's already done. You know, so Omoyari, I released in 2019. And then, uh, and then we kind of slowly worked on it. Uh, we thought we were finished with it because we premiered at South by Southwest last year. Uh, and then we got bought and then we got re-edited. We worked with Sheila Evans, our executive producer, who's like documentary, documentarian HBO legend. queen. Queen. She <laughs> ran the movie through her gauntlet yeah. and really cut it down and helped us make it into like a, a palatable, very watchable 70 minute film. And, and so here we are finally coming out. Right. How does the final cut compare to what you showed at South by? For example, is it 15 minutes longer, 15 minutes shorter? No, 20 minutes shorter. 20 minutes shorter. And we had to do what's called killing babies, which is like scenes that we like have personal connections with that just really didn't make sense to somebody who had not seen the movie, you know? So 
she helped us do that as an outside, as an experience, like outside, you know, visionary kind of like really, she's like, what is, what is this person? Well, what do they have to do with it? And they're like, that's her friend. They're like, well, I, I, she's not my friend. So it's like. Well, she, the upside is, does that mean you get to do the 10th anniversary reissue director's cut kind of thing? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> what, 10 years? You're thinking like 2033? Yeah, I think that's possible. These days, the anniversary numbers are really, really, really relative. Like uh, the wife and I saw Corey Feldman over the weekend playing live. <laughs> and he's talking about this this album of his as being the 30th anniversary. But you're looking and you go, it's really 29. So I think the numbers are all relative these days. I think he jumped the gun and like he should have waited a year. But, you know, he's probably need the money or something. I don't know. You know? <laughs> well, you know, over to you. So this is not the only thing that you've scored in the film world. And it, of course, it goes back to Berkeley, <laughs> Trill, Apple TV stuff, et cetera. What was the first gig that you kind of realized that you were more than just the solo artist and occasional sideman? Um, well, you know, I was always a composer. So I always, when I lived in New York and did Jupiter One, I was always like composing on the side. And so that's what, so I was a violin instrumentalist played in the Big Apple Circus and then, you know, and then I was a composer doing jingles and stuff. And so I was always, music was always like my job. So I was always doing it on the side. Um, I realized really early on after I graduated Berkeley, I did two documentaries that documentary, like movie scoring, especially documentaries, really not pure music. It's like, a, it's like a, it, it's a, it's a slave to the film. You know what I mean? It's the film always has right away and they'll turn your, It'll turn your music down and it, it was really unsatisfying you know as a musician as a composer and so i so after i did a couple feature length docs uh, i went i just went i kind of abandoned it just did jingles and then um did music you know violin was my thing you know and then and then i started the rock band jupiter one and i think when i started kishibashi i realized um like okay before i started kishibashi i was always struggling to try and get jingles like you know, I'd write a jingle for like a commercial, you know, and it would be like, oh, you're so close, you know, and I never really get it. I got it like once, you know, oh. which, yeah, a United commercial a long time ago, but um, most of the time it's like, oh, you got really close and you get like 250 bucks, you know, and the, then the, I, the demo fee that, and yeah. you're hoping for the, the, the eventual placement fee and then the musician's residuals. So it's either you get that 250 bucks or you get a hundred thousand dollars over time. Yeah, it, one of those. It, yeah. It'd be a lot of money. I, I doubt it's a hundred thousand dollars, but if it's like a major campaign, but you know, because uh, if they had a hundred thousand dollars, they would just actually license the actual track from the well, band. The, the Coldplay knockoffs don't write themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, what I realized is that when I start Kishibashi, my music, the sound was yeah. just like, like marketable like they were I was suddenly on the other side of that getting the licensing fees you know and, and I realized that oh I, I just have to really focus into making honest music for myself and that's when you put your emotion and you put your vulnerability into it I feel like that's what people start to hear and so every time I do a film score like I kind of really I take that approach of being like you have to be genuine in your intent to create music otherwise it won't really speak to people you know and so well said uh, question a totally different direction. For the umpteenth time you went to Berkeley, uh, you actually finished Berkeley, which is very much a rarity for anyone who makes in the music industry. They're supposed to drop out after two years. You didn't drop out. But no. uh, 
in in terms of influences before you became so classically endowed for lack of a better term were you a metal guy and i asked that because you can play a lot of notes but you choose not to play a lot of notes uh, I can definitely play a lot of notes. Yeah, I was a metalhead in high school. Like I like Metallica, Pantera, Anthrax, kind of the old school stuff, Anthrax. And um, uh, and then later on, I like System of Down. They were cool. I thought, you know, yeah, I was a metalhead. Megadeth, big. Outrocast. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. And I don't disappear fast. Because right now, you are watching the Paltrocast. Outrocast.